Today we're going to be running with gold pans. We're going to be doing various stages of gold panning. We'll start off with just panning the gravel material into the pan. We'll work our way into concentrating material down, straining it basically into buckets, and then panning that material. Okay, so how we're going to start this is we're going to make sure we get lots of water. Okay. Water is your best friend when you're gold panning. Sure. The more water, the better, because you want to make sure that you saturate that material to sink the gold down. Okay, so we'll start by submerging the pan. Now you want to start doing a circular motion to start to agitate that material and move it. Okay. Okay, now bring it up. Now that you've done this, the big rocks on the top are clean. You can actually take them out. Okay. Make yourself some room here. So far outside the classroom has featured people that I've known really well and have just been uh, taking this as an excuse to chat with them about their uh, passions. But I also wanted to explore people that maybe I didn't know but had something of a, a rather interesting outside the classroom passion. And so this week I interview Chris Kuchmack, who is a gold panner, a professional gold panner. I know nothing about gold panning. I'm sh maybe you do, but I'm guessing most of you don't. So. This was an opportunity to talk with an educator who has a very unusual uh, interest. And so uh, I learned a little bit about gold panning, some history behind it, and uh, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Chris Kuchmack from Alberta about gold panning. Well, folks, welcome. And, and this is my uh, eighth uh, episode of Outside the Classroom. And today is, is somewhat unusual because uh, I'm going to be talking with somebody that I actually only know from Twitter. I've never met uh, Chris and, and we really haven't had much of a conversation. But I, I reached out and asked, uh, just was curious to find if, if people would were interested in, in sharing their unique passions that were outside the classroom. And Chris had a passion and an interest that I have zero um, background or knowledge in, but thought it was fascinating. So Chris, why don't you start just by introducing yourself and, and kind of your, uh, if you will, your day job and kind of where you are and, and uh, just the sort of those basics before we dive into the thing we want to talk about. Right. Sure. Um, so I'm Chris. Uh, I've been uh, teaching with Elk Island Catholic and uh, Red Deer Catholic this year for, as, as a sub. And so a lot of driving back and forth, and that's fine. Uh, a lot of fun getting into all the classrooms this year. Uh, I've been teaching since 2009, and various jobs here, there, wherever I can find a contract, and you know, still searching for that elusive, elusive one for next year. But that's all right. We'll see where summer takes us. We'll see where, where where the path is. And for those people who don't know, that's in the uh, Edmonton, uh, Red Deer, Alberta part of the world. So there's. People right. listening from all over, uh, that, that adds a little bit more context to them. So, uh, Chris, you have a, a rather uh, unique uh, interest in, and I don't even know, what, is, it, is it gold mining, gold panning? Uh, tell me what the thing is that you do. Right. Uh, so we, most of the people within the community consider it to be a hobby. And it's without a doubt a sport at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of competitions that take place most people don't even realize that there's competitions in gold panning there's a world championships that take place everywhere uh that moves around kind of from europe to the united states australia i believe it's been in australia um south africa it's been in so this year actually it was supposed to be in dawson city 
through this uh, coming August, but with the pandemic, that's uh, unfortunately been been canceled. Uh, so we're looking at, I believe next year uh, is Poland. I believe next year is Poland. So um, if anybody is interested in checking that out, the, you can find out about the World Gold Panning Association. Uh, they've got some Facebook, they've got a Facebook group and a uh, web page as well to take a look at with all that information. So, so give me the give me the one hundred and one. What is what is gold panning? I mean, the only image right. I have is from like old westerns, and and you got like a little right. sieve, and you are searching for gold. Is that it, or is there just a little more to it than that? And there, especially in the competitive there, side of things. Absolutely, yeah. And there there certainly is a, a wide variety of activities at these events. Um, typically, uh, so I've got a standard Klondike gold pan here. This is what the Klondikers would have used. They would have used it for everything from the panning to you know, baking bread in the evening before for, for supper. Um, the typical competition is gonna be, you get your pan, it's already salted with the gold in it and a certain number of flakes. Sometimes you know how many there are, sometimes you don't, it depends on the competition. And then you're timed and you're every, again, like I say, every competition is just a little bit different. So sometimes you can have some dirt in the pan. Sometimes it has to be completely clean and it's all judged based on the number of flakes that they knew that were in the pan and how fast you managed to find that gold. So, so, so what is this? So tell me about the skill involved in like, what does it take to be able to detect this, uh, the, the gold? Uh, well, certainly a good eye. Um, you do sometimes have, the flakes are very, very small. Um, you know, maybe, you know, a millimeter in, in size, a couple millimeters in size. It depends. Again, it depends on what competition you're at. And typically the competitions reflect the, the typical gold in the area. And same with the, so the rock in the pan will depend, will change with the locale of the, um, the competition. So in British Columbia, if I go to competition there where there's a lot of shale, right, you're going to find more shale in those competitions and you're going to have to actually kind of flip the rocks over and clean them within the pan and then get rid of that, 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 that excess dirt. So basically what I would do is, you know, three, two, one, go, the pan get, goes right in the water and I'm shaking it as hard as I can, but again, like I say, different competitions might change that a little bit. But generally what I do is you, you shake it and the salted gold, wherever it is in the pan, cause you don't, like I say, you don't know where it is. It could be near the top. It could be already on the bottom, but you want it to get right to the bottom of the pan, safely underneath all the, the dirt and gravel that's already in there. And then you just, you have to work your way, wash out that rock and gravel and you know there's a competition i'm wearing the shirt for taylor so a big shout out to the taylor gold panning crew um that's been around since uh 70 1972 and um so they have a they have three competitions that you would partake in so you'd have a fine uh a fine flake and that would be i believe the You'd have like I as a professional panner would have five minutes and then in the next competition there'll be five flakes with a little bit smaller 
uh, in, that are a little bit smaller in size, same amount of dirt and gravel in the pan, but now I only have three minutes. And then you get a, about a penny weight nugget, penny weight gold nugget, and you have one minute to find that nugget in, in, the, uh, in the pan. So like I say, it depends on the competition and what kind of gold is in the pan. Um, we've got a saying from one of our uh, good, my good friends, Dave, uh, if you don't get wet, you're not doing this right. Um, his shaking erupts like a big volcano in that uh, nugget competition. Because if you don't find that nugget in about nine to 12 seconds, 15, maybe at most, if people are having a rough day, uh, you're probably not going to win that competition. And so it gets, it gets tight in the, in the standings and, um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of good people involved in it all from all across Canada. Um, we had a gentleman drive in from Quebec and he would do the, the, the gold panning circuit in British Columbia where the competitions were through, uh, Cherryville, Enderby in May, and then come August up to Taylor, August long weekend, British Columbia, uh, working his way down to um, what would be uh, Boston Bar, the Boston Bar area along the Fraser River um, for the Fraser River Open at the end of August. And there's been some other competitions that have popped up now and then. Uh, Barkerville had one for a while and uh, Fort Steele had one as well for a little while. So, so, yeah. so how, tell me how, how one gets involved in this. So where does this begin? Cause right. this is not something that the average person just says, Hey, let's go to the local to gold panning competition. This is not something on most people's radar. Yeah. So for you, how is it that you came into this world? So for myself, I, this was my first summer job. Uh, I'll say it was, I mean, it was Klondike days back in 1999. That was my first summer summer job. I mean, it was a 10-day fair event, and I worked in the gold mine, uh, the Chilkoot gold mine of uh, the fair at the fairgrounds. And there was actually a small group of us that came back on that evening shift for about five years. So we grew into a very close-knit group, and we could run that mine very smoothly. Uh, even when they changed over to the wristband, wrist passes, uh, instead of just taking tickets. And uh, I mean, there were days where we went through thousands of pieces of gold and every, and we put a piece of gold in every pan. Nobody got skipped out. Um, but it was just, a uh, um, it was, it was a lot of fun and that's how I started. Um, uh, and then a little bit, a little bit later on, I, I took over as the, the gold as, as a supervisor first, I should say, the evening supervisor. Uh, looking after these, you know, high school age students, most of them, it was their first summer job, just like myself and going through that pro hiring process with the kids, great experience. And then, uh, again, as a, as the, as the mine manager, looking after counting up everything, counting up the gold, uh, working on the hiring of the staff, training all the staff, how to pan. Cause again, like you say, most people aren't going to know how to pan when they come into this. So, yeah. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned the community side of it. And I think that's always a fascinating because I don't, doesn't matter if you're talking about sports or music or drama or anything, really, that's always such a big part, right? To be, 
be around great people that that support one another and and uh, are just um, just just fun to be around. But yeah. but talk to me about um, what it what is it about gold panning that just sort of because it has to sort of get into you into your heart and soul around like yeah, yeah I really love it. So help me as somebody who has no interest like why how might I come to love or appreciate um, this and we'll put sports slash hobby on it. Cause you mentioned it could be both. So what is it about it? What, how does it get in your soul? I think it's just getting out. Like I said, there's that community aspect of it, but even when you're not around people, if I go down to the North Saskatchewan river with the, with my pan and do a little bit of mining that way and, and collecting some gold that way, uh, it's, I'm spending a day out on the river, right? I'm just, relaxing i can there's no pressure on it that there's no pressure on me to find a, a, a pile of gold and be like boy i have to uh <laughs> this is my this is my this is my uh survival i need to find you know what they find on like the, the tv shows uh, right it just doesn't most most people that go out there on on the rivers here uh they don't they don't they're not going to find that you know, it's, there's a lot of gold in Alberta, but it's so small that it's really hard to get. So, you know, I think it also just gets into your, like you say, it gets into your veins. It just kind of like, there's that allure of, you know, finding something that, uh, you know, is quite available, but not many people know how to access it, how many, how to get to it. Um, I was also fascinated by the history of it, you know, the, the Klondike gold rush. Um, a lot of people traveled to Edmonton from the east, from, from Chicago, from Boston. They wanted to cut, they wanted to get to the Yukon gold fields, but they stopped, right? They stayed in Edmonton. They built the community in a number of ways. Um, so, it was also kind of the start of the Edmonton, for those that you don't know, those of you who don't know, the Edmonton-Calgary rivalry, you know, between the two major cities in Alberta, uh, the Calgary business people didn't want people going to Edmonton. They told people there's 20 foot snow drifts as soon as you get up, get up there and you want to go through British Columbia. And if they would go through British Columbia, they'll sell them what they need to get to the Yukon in Calgary rather than taking the land route to Edmonton. And of course, not many people know of the Edmonton route, the all Canadian route, as it was called, because there weren't that many people that actually got all the way to the Yukon. There were a number that did, but like I said, some stayed in the communities that they, you know, they ran out of supplies in Northern Alberta and they stayed in Athabasca where they, they got to some of those places in, in the further North and they just, you know what, this is as far as we're going to go and we're going to make a life here. And it just like, that fascinates me that people yeah. just kind of, you know, it was just a different way of living, right? There was yeah. people that tried putting together, rain the wooden like almost the wooden rain barrels you still see today and putting those on uh to replace the the wheels on the carts so they could get through the mud and the the, the tundra that's further to the north right 
And unfortunately, some of those experiments didn't work, but they were trying, right? They were trying something new. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, like I say, there's something about it. You're kind of connected to history in a different yeah. kind of way. Well, and that's I mean, that, that idea of history. Yeah, history and sort of this idea of being out in nature. I think there's something appealing about both those things. So my, yeah. another question I have is what uh, have you ever, uh, it doesn't sound like you've ever struck it, Rich, but do you have like sort of a most memorable uh, a time where you, uh, that you felt that you actually had a big, I don't know if the word is score. It's probably not a big score, but I'm not sure what the language is. But like, what's your, <laughs> what's the best you've ever done in terms of uh, finding gold just on some of these uh, more casual uh, uh, outings? Um, like I say, you don't find too much. Uh, you know, a couple, like if I just take the pan and I could spread out maybe, you know, maybe a couple thousand little flakes and it's called flower gold for a reason because it looks like it's as small as the, the granules of flour. And so the only way to get it out of the pan then is with what's called a sniffer bottle. So you'd fill that up with water, you kind of squish it out, make create a, so you can create a vacuum, suck it all in. And now the gold is out of the pan and it's in my bottle. And then I can take it home and work on cleaning the, the rest of the, uh, the sand and whatever else was still in the pan out of there. Um, I don't have much. I really don't. So it's just, you know, the fun of sitting on the river for the day and, um, and getting a little sunburned. <laughs> so in a normal, in a normal summer, then, uh, how many competitions would you, would you enter? Uh, well, typically I, I've only gone to mostly to the one in Taylor. I have been to other competitions. Like I say, I've, I've been to, there was a year I did, I think three of them. And that's a lot of people, especially the older guys, if they're retired, they'll just, they load up their RV and they'll just do that circuit and go, they head off to the next competition, right? And if they take a few days to get there, then they take a few days to get there. And if they stop at the gold claim for a week, they'll, they'll do that if there's time between the competitions. Um, like I say, so, the competitions in Alberta and British Columbia are uh, a bit spread out. So I, th I think it's moving back to Cherryville last I heard, Cherryville, British Columbia. So that would be kind of the start of the season. I've been to that one once. That was my best outing as a uh, doing metal detecting and that was at nighttime. So I don't know, I must either be blind when it comes to finding the coins and the little prizes that are spread out there with the metal detector or uh, my metal detector is just not very good, but uh, I can never seem to, to get those coins when I'm, when I, when I'm rushing. And uh, you know, you have basically an hour, you give an hour um, and it's just like, I'll, I'll have, you know, 25 cent, a 25 cent piece, and maybe a, a dime. And some of the other guys will show up and it's just like, they're emptying their pockets with this stuff, with these coins. And, you know, it depends on the event. Sometimes they're numbered. Sometimes it's ba and there's prizes based on the numbers that you find. Sometimes it's uh, just based on how much you find. So you add up the total, and whoever has the most wins, right? So, like I said, right. I, I, uh, I I'm typically not emptying my pockets uh, <laughs> too much in that. Um, so, what about what about just uh, casually? And how often do you go out just on your yeah. own? And again, to the North Saskatchewan or wherever else you go. Like, is that a is that a once a week thing, or how often do you, are you doing that? Uh, 
I try to go, I haven't been for a little while for, for a year. Last year was just a bit too much, but, um, I try to go at least, uh, two or three times a year if I can. It, again, it's all on the timing and the weather, you know, you want the weather to be right and the river can't be too high. And there's so many little other factors that go into it. So, um, but yeah, there's some good spots around Edmonton if you're in the Edmonton area. Um, there's a reason why uh, uh, there's a spot in Devon, Alberta called uh, Prospector Point. And there's just seems to be a little bit more gold in that area. And so huh. on any given weekend or even in the weekdays, you'll find people out with their sluices and just washing rock for the weekend, washing rock for the day, as we like to say. So, nice. Well, my, my last question is, uh, and again, the answer may be nothing, but it might be something. So how or has uh, your your passion and around gold mining um, helped you in any way or impacted you in any way as, a, as an educator? How have you taken any lessons learned or anything back? And may, again, if the answer is none, that's okay. But I don't know, maybe you've thought about that. Maybe there are some things that, that connect back to education. Yeah, I've got two things I could probably really talk about with that. Um, the first uh, in Alberta with the curriculum, the current curriculum, grade three curriculum tied to rocks and minerals. So the last three years I've taught grade three and I've been able to bring in some gold bands and I pull out a little bit of gold, some of my gold flakes and I get my kids panning, right? I kind of do a gold panning day and there's other activities for the kids to work on while I have two kids uh, panning in a little bit of a makeshift trough in the classroom. And they kind of get a little bit of a better understanding of that whole process. I mean, there's nothing in the curriculum that says teach the kids how to gold pan. Right. But it ties right, right into the curriculum. And it's just one more experience within the classroom that I can provide. And uh, if it gets the kids excited, I think that's a good thing. There was also a school group I took out onto the North Saskatchewan River in Edmonton. And I kid you not, this this uh, this one, one girl found, like she took her scoop of dirt, put it in the pan, started shaking the pan, cleaning it up. And there was a gold necklace and the necklace in the pan. <laughs> You know, you just don't know what you're going to find sometimes, right? So, um, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, the the prizes that you get sometimes, like a little, I'll just put that little nugget up there. You know, so there's there's some cool stuff that you can get. And, the, you know, the fun trophies that you can sometimes win. And this is the special, this one's the special one because it's still, it says Klondike Days Daily Gold Panning Competition. That was one of the last ones given out before the name changed to Capital X. Um, the other one was the uh, uh, first place in the team competition. So myself and two other competitors in a team, and we all had—I can't remember—it was like, that was 2012. So <laughs> uh, I think we must we must have had the most gold in the best time because we we managed to get first. So, but it was a lot of fun, right? And. Uh, that was for, oh, that was for the 150th anniversary of Barkerville. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, thanks for your time, Chris. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to share about gold panning that I, maybe I didn't ask you or something else that you wanted to, to pass along before we wrap up? 
No, just a, it's a, it's a good hobby. There's a lot of families that get into this. It's a great day to spend with family or, and, and with friends, just head over on the river and relax for a bit. And, and there's regulations you do have to follow depending on where you are. So make sure you look at those regulations. Um, sometimes you need a license to sluice and sometimes you need a license to pan. Sometimes you're not allowed to dig uh, in anywhere you go. You have to watch where you're digging, right? There's uh, special places in British Columbia where you have to uh, stay within those boundaries. So, yeah. Well, appreciate that. Uh, I learned something new and, and I hope other people uh, found it interesting and, and maybe we'll spend a little time learning more about uh, gold panning. But thanks so much, Chris, for your time and I wish you well. Thank you. Appreciate the chat. Take care. Take care. Bye.